Now, if you want a standard of giving, here it is. And that standard is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He was rich, but he became poor for you and me. That's just a bit of the truth that we hear today from Dr. J. Vernon McGee on Through the Bible. Welcome. I'm Steve Schwetz, inviting you to hop aboard the Bible bus for another great adventure in God's Word. As our study of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 concludes, and we'll roll into chapter 9, Dr. McGee answers some very important questions like, are Christians supposed to tithe? And if so, how much? And is it okay for Christians to make pledges to God's work? Even if you've been a Christian for a while, why don't you stick with us, because the answers may surprise you. But first, here's a couple of great letters from our fellow listeners. Here's one from a Bible bus passenger in Chhattisgarh, India, who writes, I am 47 years old and a tailor. In my shop, I enjoy listening to the radio. One day, I heard a song that appealed to me. I began listening to the teaching that followed immediately after I contacted your office to ask many questions. Patiently, they explained to me about the true God who loves men. I enjoyed talking with them and began to listen to your program regularly. Slowly, my faith in Jesus Christ increased, and I stopped worshiping idols and other gods. Not long after, a gentleman from your program came to visit my home. He shared the word of God with me and my family. The verses that he shared from Acts 4 and Romans 10 turned my life upside down. I cried before the Lord, repented of my sins, and accepted Him as my personal Lord and Savior. I thank God that His presence and peace flowed into my home, and my wife and children also now follow Jesus. But some of my relatives and neighbors oppose us. Please pray that we will be strong in the Lord and are brave enough to share the good news with others. Isn't that a great letter? You know, as we give thanks for the faith of this family, let's also pray for Through the Bible support teams throughout the world. Remember, they're answering phone calls and texts and emails and letters. They're also making house visits, and they're praying for all who contact them. So ask the Lord to bless their ministry as they glorify His name. Next, we've got a letter from a young woman in Tripura, India. My parents are animus and very strong in their practice. They do not like Christians and were very angry after a few friends led me to Christ. They began to beat me and threw me out of the house. My situation seemed hopeless and I began to live on the streets. One day, an old friend of my parents invited me to her home. She gave me a radio and introduced me to your programs. This friend also convinced my parents to let me come back home. We agreed that I would not talk about my faith, but they would allow me to listen to your program. At first, I would turn up the program loudly so my parents would hear, but now they listen with me. Please pray they will come to know Jesus as their Lord. This week, our World Prayer Team is traveling through Southern Asia. That's been such a fruitful part of the world for us. It includes India. Join us as we pray alongside listeners like these and ask God to reach His whole world with His whole word. Sign up at ttb.org forward slash pray. Now let's pray for one another as we begin our study. Father, thank you for the blessing that your word brings to our lives and the millions of others around the world. We pray for our brothers and sisters living in India and Southern Asia, and we ask you to protect them, encourage them, and use them to bring others to a saving knowledge of your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Here's Dr. J. Vernon McGee to take us through 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 on Through the Bible. Now, friends, we're coming here in verse 8 of chapter 8 today, and Paul has said here that ye abound in everything, speaking to the Corinthians. They have faith and utterance. They were able to witness, and they had knowledge, and they were diligent, and they had love for Paul and the other apostles. 
Now he says, see that ye abound in this grace also. Now what is it? It's the grace of giving. And he says here, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. Now, Paul is saying here that giving today is not by law and it's not by rote or ritual. That's my reason for believing that the tithe is not a commandment for today. Now, I know that in many fine churches in there, many fine Bible expositors today that talk about the tithe, we're to give the tithe. Obviously, that was basic back in the Old Testament. But if you examine it very carefully, you'll probably find that the people gave three tithes. And one of them, of course, was for taxes. It amounted to that. So that never was the basis, I think, on which Christians are to give here. He says, I speak not by commandment. I'm not asking you to give because it's a commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. Because the Macedonians had set them an example. And then the second thing, to prove the sincerity of your love. I think that is the thing that really tests a man's faith today. It's the pocketbook most sensitive area of a Christian, by the way. Here people say, well, I'd do something if I was able. Paul says that what you said you'd give last year, he says, I want you to do it now. I want you to perform it. I want you to put it into words. In other words, put your money where your mouth is. And that also raises the question here about whether you should sign a pledge or not. Well, I think we're going to have occasion to refer to that, and I think that we need to recognize that you sign a pledge for everything else. And I think that people ought to be willing to make a pledge to God's work. I see nothing in the Scripture. In fact, we're going to find something for it just a little bit later. Now, he says here that ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor that you through his poverty might be rich. Now, if you want a standard of giving, here it is. And that standard is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now, he was rich and he became poor. He came down here and took a place of poverty. Imagine leaving heaven and coming down to this earth and being born in Bethlehem, living in Nazareth and dying on a cross outside the walls of Jerusalem, and being put in the darkness of that tomb. He was rich, but he became poor for you and me. And we need to recognize that Paul is not asking money for himself. He could say, I've robbed other churches to do you service. And other churches sent their missionary money to him, but now that they're Christians, he does not want them to forget their responsibility. He never asks anything for himself. He's a true servant of Christ, but he's asking for the needs of others. See, he wants to take an offering for these poor saints in Jerusalem. Now, he says that this is expedient. Here, I give my advice, for this is expedient for you who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. In other words, you did make a pledge, and now make it good. I think it's pious nonsense for a person to say, oh, 
I just don't believe in making pledges. I don't think a Christian should do that. Well, a Christian has to sign for his rent. You have to sign notes for your rent. And you have to sign notes when you buy an automobile. And you sign notes when you buy a refrigerator. And you sign notes when you buy a washer. And I say, friends, you can sign on the dotted line for God's work, too, by the way. Now, Paul here says, this is not a commandment. But now, therefore, perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. In other words, as we've said, put your money where your mouth is. Now, here is the method of giving. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to what he hath not. Now, we're to give. Here Paul says, according to what a man hath, but he's to do it with a willing mind. This is something that I think is very important, that you're to give according to what you have, not what you have not. I was pastor in Cleburne, Texas. I had a man in the church. He owned a ranch, and he and I'd go fishing down on his ranch and hunting together. And he always was after me to preach on tithing. And he tithed himself. And so it was during the time of the Depression, and this place was known as a Santa Fe town, and many of those men who had made good salaries were out of work. And this man kept urging me. So one day I told him, I said that the Scripture doesn't say that, but you're to give as you're able. You're accepted according to what a man hath, and not according to what he hath not. Now, I said, I think that for some people that they ought to give a tenth. That would be about right for their income. I said there are others ought not to give a tenth. They don't have anything to give, and God understands that. And that was true of some of our folk. But I said, you know, there's some folk that have plenty, and a tenth would not be near enough. Now, this man had a very prosperous business. And during the Depression, he was making money when no one else was making it. And he gave a tenth, and it was a generous gift, the most generous gift in the church. But my friend, it wasn't what he should have given. And I went after him on that. I said, you know, some that have more ought to give more than the tenth. Well, he apparently wasn't willing to give more than the tenth. He never asked me to preach on tithe. And after that, when he found out that it's according to what a man hath and not according what he hath not. Hasn't anything in the world to do with tithing today. Now, that was basic in the Old Testament, and I can't believe that any Christian today who has a good income should give less than a tenth. And we're living in a time of abundance, but a great many people. I know that there's some folk that write to us say, we'd love to support your program, but I'm a member of a certain church. It's a good church. I give there, and I'm on social security, and I have very little. Well, I don't think God's asking them to give to this radio ministry at all. He understands it. But I do know this, that some that have it, God sure is tugging at them, and the chances are they've already tuned me out when I've got this far. Now listen to him. For I mean not that other men be eased and ye be burdened. Paul says, I don't think a burden ought to be put on anyone but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. 
And what he's saying is this. Has God blessed you today? We're living in an affluent society. Many of you have good automobiles. You have a lovely home, nice furniture. You have all the appliances that are called for in our contemporary culture. And you're living well. Now, may I say to you, God is saying to you that you ought to give today and share with the Lord's work that has need. And I think he's speaking to those folk. And many of them, of course, don't want to listen. And many would settle for the tithe. Just as this friend of mine, he was willing to settle for the tithe. And he wanted me to preach on the tithe so he'd feel comfortable in his giving. But after I'd talked with him, I don't think he ever was comfortable about the tithe. And I don't think any person who could give more. As it is written, he that had gathered much had nothing over, and he that had gathered little had no lack. Now, Paul cites them back to the time that they went out and got manna. Now, suppose one morning a man goes out and the ground's covered with manna. And suppose he sends back to get two or three bushel baskets. He says, let's fill it up. He says, let's get it while we can. And so he goes out and gathers it all up and fills it. But what happens? He could only use what he ate because the next morning the rest of it was spoiled. They didn't have any refrigerators in those days. And so it was spoiled. And this poor fella... He has two or three baskets filled with that. And I know a man down in Florida, and he's a wonderful Christian. He's retired. He's in his 40s. And he says, I made a million dollars, and that's all I can use. If I make a second million, he said, I wouldn't be able to work for anyone but the government. I'd be working for the government and pay it out in taxes. So he said, I just made the million, I've retired. And he has, and he carries on, I know, a certain amount of business today, but he never goes to the office. He does it by correspondence. And he has apparently a very nice income that's coming to him. But he says, now I can give my time to the Lord's work. And that's what he does. He's living in Florida and living it up, friends. He's able to. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I want to tell you this. He's sure sharing himself and his possessions with the Lord's work today. And that's the way God wants it, friend. Now, has God blessed you? Well, he that sowed sparingly will reap sparingly. One of these days you'll find out that God will begin to deal with you as you've been dealing with him. Because I think God keeps books myself. And he's not putting you under law. Because why? If he does, then you can't give it as a grace as a passion, a desire to give. Why, you ought to be just tickled to death. You ought to say to folk, my, tune in, that fellow McGee's talking about the most wonderful thing in the world. He's telling us how we can be happy. Give him. My, I say to you, that sounds crazy, I know. But that's exactly what Paul is saying here. Now he says here, but thanks be to God. Now, the word thanks is the same word that we have for grace. And it's, but grace be to God. <laughs> and I do not know why the translators changed it to thanks. That's a good word. That's a good translation. You couldn't improve on it, but I don't know why they changed it, because they call it grace up here. But grace be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. Now, Paul says, I sent Titus to get this, but it was already a grace in his heart. He wanted, just like I did, 
to take up an offering for the poor saints in Jerusalem. For indeed he accepted the exhortation, but being more forward for his own accord, he went unto you, and we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. And not that only, but who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us with this grace. You see, he had it in his heart, which is administered by us to the glory of the same Lord and declaration of your ready mind. And this that we give ought to be for the glory of God, friends, avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance which is administered by us. Why? Well, because Paul says we're going to be honest in the use of it and in the way we handle it. Providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of man. Providing for honest things. In other words, that we need to be very careful about the use of God's money. I believe that a church ought to make a financial statement to the congregation and tell them the whole story, not part of it. You see, sometimes they only give a partial report, and the report doesn't really give you the true picture. Now, that in business would be considered dishonest, but they use certain explanations today. Well, we feel like if people knew how much of a reserve that we had that they wouldn't give. Why, my friend, that ought to cause people to want to give more because they can see that God is blessed and that he'll continue to bless. Now, I want to say very candidly here, unless you are sure where you're giving, you ought not to give to that work. I don't care what it is, including this one, by the way. You ought to have confidence in your mind and heart. You ought not to give even to a church unless you're sure the money's being used in the right way. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's not handled like people want it to be handled. Now, I set a policy in our radio at the beginning. When anybody sent in money for a certain radio station, it went to that. And that's the way we divide it today. And that's the reason that we know that certain radio stations support themselves. Others don't support themselves. It's just simply because of the fact that that's the way we divide it. We intend for it to go where people want it to go. And that is something today that people ought to be very sure about in their church. They ought to be sure about it to anything that you give to. And friends, don't write me now and ask me about certain things, because I won't tell you. All I can say is this. If you are not sure, don't give to that. Give to what you can be sure of. You feel confident that the money is being used in the way that it should be used. Now, I don't care who it is. And Paul, even this great apostle, he says, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of man, that it'll be obvious that you're using the money for what it's given for. Verse 22, And we have sent with them our brother, whom we have oftentimes proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent upon the great confidence which I have in you. In other words, Paul says, I can trust Titus. He'll make a report. I'll make a report. And we'll report back to you after we've been to Jerusalem. Whether any do inquire of Titus, he's my partner. And he's my fellow helper concerning you or your brethren. Be inquired of. They are the messengers of the churches and the glory of Christ. Wherefore, show ye to them and before the churches the proof of your love 
and of our boasting on your behalf. Paul says, we want the proof of your love. If you really mean business, friends, don't take it out in verbiage. Take it out in your giving. That's the way you express your love. I think that a great many Christians are very much like that young fellow who wrote his girl. And he said to her, he says, I would cross the widest ocean for you. I'd swim the deepest river for you. I would scale the highest mountain for you. I'd crawl across the burning sands of a desert for you. And then he concluded with a P.S. If it doesn't rain Wednesday night, I'll be over to see you. And there are a lot of Christians just like that, my beloved. May I say to you, Paul here is saying it should be a grace in your heart. Now we hit some high points as we come into chapter 9. Now, actually, here, I think in chapter 9, Paul gets right down to Christian giving. In chapter 8, it was the grace of giving. Now, here we have before us what is Christian giving. Now, he says, for his touching the ministering to the saints, it's superfluous for me to write to you. For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest my boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that, as I said, ye may be ready, lest happily, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we that we say not ye should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Now, Paul says here, you made a pledge last year. You do it. Now do it. Nothing wrong about making a pledge. That's pious nonsense today when people use that as an excuse. I have many folk that write us and say, we intend to give you so much a month for radio. And they do. But if they didn't, I doubt whether I'd ever know anything about it because it's none of my business. That's between you and the Lord, you see. And I think that you ought to do business with God. Say, Lord, I'm going to do this. And it's like that Captain Jack years ago, very rich man, somebody said to him, he says, how in the world did you become so rich and you give so much? Well, he says, as the Lord shovels it in, I shovel it out. And God has the biggest shovel. <laughs> He's got the biggest one, friend. And that's the way he wants us to give. Now, he says here, that I'd be embarrassed if I came over there having boasted of you folk and find out you hadn't given anything. And that is a real test. And I've discovered that. I get around to a great many churches, and I go to some churches that have real spiritual vigor. Oh, my. I'd love to tell you about some a wonderful church in Canton, Ohio, and Indianapolis, down in Wichita, Kansas and Dallas, Texas, and San Diego, and Portland, Oregon. Oh, these are great churches today that I know of in these places I've been there. And you know what I found out? I found out they're generous in their giving. And I've been to some places where it's, it's dead. Ooh, friends, it's dead spiritually. And you want to know something else? They don't give either. <laughs> That's always a good barometer, you see, on folk. Now he says, Therefore, verse 5 of chapter 9, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty. And givings called a bounty. Whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty 
and not as of covetousness. It'd be a generous gift, you see. That's the grace of God working in the heart. That's the way God wants us to give today. Well, I'm going to leave right off there, and we'll finish this next time, and then we'll be moving right on into the next section. We're almost through this book of 2 Corinthians, and we'll be telling you next time where we go next. May God richly bless you, my beloved. Listen to today's message again when you visit ttb.org or call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE to find out the many creative ways through the Bible is available in more than 200 languages worldwide. And remember, ttb.org is also a great place to go if you'd like to take your personal study of 2 Corinthians a little deeper. From Dr. McGee's notes and outlines to more than 100 of his digital booklets, our Bible companion for 2 Corinthians, and our Bible bus flash drive, well, you're bound to find something that's a game changer as you journey through God's Word. Again, that's ttb.org. I'm Steve Schwetz, and why don't you join me next time as we travel through the Bible together. Well, ride the Bible bus for five years and you'll be amazed at what God teaches you from his word about what it means to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's a blessing that keeps on going. That's what we believe at Through the Bible.